Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. The enemy saw me with my head down and thought he had won until I said amen. The circumstances of your life don't determine your encouragement, your confidence. It doesn't decide your abilities, and it won't determine the outcome of your life. Only God will do that. Only God does that. Two weeks ago, we talked about anger. We talked about what it can do to you if you let the sun go down on it, right? Lynn, I ask you to pray for me. And what did God do through you praying for me? You told me the next night. Amen. So because I asked you to pray for me, God healed you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That's how God works. See, at the men's event uh, two weeks ago, uh, he said to me, you know, you, you asked me to pray for you. There's been a burden of anger on me, and God lifted it off of me. So last week, we got to hear from Dr. Proud, and man, that was an amazing uh, reminder of the importance of taking risks to reach the lost and planting churches. Uh, I had the privilege of being a Vanguard Tri-Lakes last week, and my bride uh, is speaking there today. And not one, but two people that are attending VTL today gave their life to Jesus Christ at the women's retreat this year. Can we give the Lord a hand? Amen. We, it is so awesome to see that God is on the move. And what today, what we're going to talk about is what will happen to us if we don't deal with our anger. And what's interesting, and we alluded to this two weeks ago, if you and I don't deal with our anger, it will eventually, you ready? Drown our love. Our love for God and our love for each other. And so today, we're going to answer a very simple question. And this is true in your marriage, it's true with your children, true with your neighbors, true with those you attend church with, whatever, and whoever. If you and I don't deal with our anger the way God wants us to deal with it, it will show up in how we love each other or, sadly, how we don't. And so I want to invite you today to take your program, your Bible. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. And I want to welcome this uh, robust crowd that's on uh, social media this morning with us. And I want to invite you, if you're in the room or if you're online, to share the service, to be a virtual evangelist, to invite people into this experience this morning, to experience what Jesus Christ has for us. Look at... Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul writes this. Follow God's example in everything you do. Now, that's overwhelming, isn't it? <laughs> everything. Follow God's example in everything you do because you are his 
dear children. He's our daddy. We're his children. And God says to us, I want you to follow my example. Now, what example? What does it look like? Look at verse 2. I want you to live a life filled with love for others. I want you to live a life filled. Don't drown in your anger. Drown in love. Amen? Don't drown in your anger. Drown in your love. Say to the Lord, Lord, I want to learn to follow your example. Who loved you, Christ did, and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. God was pleased because that sacrifice was like sweet perfume to him. This past week, my daughter, Anne-Larie, she's my fourth born, and she's prophetic, uh, and she's, she asked these really great questions. She said, Dad, did it grieve God to do what he did to Jesus on the cross? And I said, well, Isaiah 53 says it pleased the father to basically wound the son. But look at this verse again because I find it interesting. And Anne-Larie, if you watch this later, you must be prophetic again because you asked me a question. And at the moment, I didn't even know it was in the sermon this weekend. God was pleased because that sacrifice was sweet perfume to him. Anne-Larie said, is it possible that uh, that?" God could be pleased. And I said, you know, what's interesting. I said, have you ever talked to a mother after giving birth to their child that says, oh, I was so grieved by the pain? No. No. No, moms, when you give birth, and my wife gave birth five times, and every time you hold that child, you are pleased to have suffered for life. Amen? Amen. Jesus and the Father were pleased to suffer and die for your life. That's God's perspective. God's not up in heaven hacked off that he had to die for you. God's not up in heaven. You ready? God's not up in heaven going, man, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have sent Jesus to do that. Maybe they weren't worth it. God's never done that. God looks at the sacrifice that he made for your life. This is what love is. And it pleased him. It pleased him. Now, why did it please him? Two reasons. Number one, because in Jesus' sacrifice, holiness overcame sin. Holiness overcame sin, and love overcame hate. Love overcame hate. That is the example that Jesus has given us. But see, sin still gets in the way. Look at verse 13. Excuse me, verse 3. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, 
or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So how do you overcome these obstacles to live in love? Look at number one, abstain from three things. Three things. Number one, sexual immorality. The Greek word for sexual immorality is pornonia. You can imagine what we get in English. We get the word porn, porno, pornography. We get all of these particular words, but I want to give you a definition of what the word pornonia means. It means harlot for hire. So it always, sexuality that involves money is always pornonia. Sexuality that involves money is always pornonia. Now, isn't it interesting that in Plato and Aristotle's day, this is not something new, Plato dealt with this, Aristotle dealt with this. And do you know Plato taught that it's okay to have a mistress on the side as long as you keep it a secret. Now, I write for the Christian Post, and this article was on the Christian Post this morning. Alabama pastor, mayor also, claims secret transgender life is hobby to relieve stress. Did you see this? And here's what he had to say about it. It's a hobby I do to relieve stress. I have a lot of stress. (laughs) And I'm not medically transitioning. It's just a bit of a character I'm playing. I don't go out and seek solicitation or anything like that. This is a pastor of a church, okay, on a Christian news outlet, justifying dressing up transgender. It's something that I don't intermingle with the others. I keep it private. He must have listened to Plato. I don't do it in public or anything like that. It's just a fictional character character I made up to relieve stress. And, And he's not saying he feels bad about it. He's not saying he's going to stop. This is the world we live in. Alabama, that's the Bible belt, right? Yes. May not be the belt buckle. That's Texas, right? But, but it is the Bible Belt. I, I'm sorry, I had to print that out. I had to share that with you. That, that is mainstream culture that we live in today. I want you to think about this. Pornonia, what does it do to you? Why is it so damaging? Pornonia is damaging because it does two things to you. The first thing that it does to you is that it tells you, you ready, that selfishness is your friend. 
while you're engaging in pornography or any form of pornonia, the spirit of pornonia is telling you, you deserve this. Maybe the more damaging thing that pornonia does to you is that tells you that all pain is your enemy. And you know as well as I do that a lot of pornography is consumed to numb pain we can't deal with. You have to reject. You ready? You have to reject pacifying anger through sex. I want to say that again. You have to reject pacifying your anger through sex. You have to say to yourself, I am not going to make pornonia my friend and pain my enemy to numb the sorrow of my life. Amen? amen. Come on, amen? amen? Some of us are not sure yet. Second of all, you've got to avoid impurity. Akatharsia is the Greek word for impurity. Do you know what this word means? Sexual immorality always leads, if not checked, sexual immorality always leads to filthy practices. Not just sexual practices. Sexual immorality unchecked in your life will lead to filthy practices. This is what the Bible teaches. Now, filthy practices, what are? Here's an example of a filthy practice. You brag about your impurity. You know, maybe you go away for a weekend and you get in a hot tub somewhere at high elevation, you know, and maybe you can blame elevation for... Uh, for your ignorance. And you say things like this. You start bragging about getting drunk. You start bragging about the people you've slept with. You start bragging about the things you've done. I know no one ever does this in our society. But I'm not sure if you got rid of sex and alcohol and weed, if there'd be much left for people to talk about. And see, what happens is these these especially sexuality, which is a gift from God, the enemy begins to exploit these things and begins to destroy us through filthy practices. Now, purity never leads to foolish talk or bragging about your impurity. It never leads, but impurity always does. And that brings us to letter C. And I want you to think about this. Sexual immorality always leads to impurity, which is filthy practices. And what you don't understand when you're going through this progression is that sexual immorality that leads to impure practices, to filthy practices, always ends up, letter C, in greed. Greed. Now, pleonexia, what does that mean? What does the word greed mean? 
It means this. I want more. I want more. If one glass of wine does that for me, what could two do? If one sexual experience, if 10 minutes of pornography does this for me, what could 20 minutes do? And see, what sexual morality and impurity does is that it feeds the furnace of greed inside of you. And strangely enough, you ready? Strangely enough, sexual immorality and impurity always leads to greed, which tells you whatever you've done, you've got to do more of now. Isn't that interesting? And the enemy is just pulling you into the web of destruction because you're giving in to the anger and the unresolved rage of your life. Now, there are three areas where we want more. I want you to see these. First of all, passions. We eat more, sleep more, curse more. We have sex more or some form. We complain more. Uh-oh. Anybody complaining more these days? Everybody else is your problem? Huh? We are in excess. Number two, power. We control more. You ever do that? When your life's out of control, you're just looking around, who can I control? Who can I control? We go more. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, so I'm just going to go more. We manipulate more. We worry more. We scream more. Huh. And then possessions. We want more. We get more. We destroy more. We justify more. We lose more. We buy more. Paul parallels this one, this one issue in these three. He calls, he says, you know what it's going to lead to? It's going to lead to coarse jesting. Do you know what coarse jesting is? When you get to the point to where all the more that you're doing is not enough, and so you look for a coworker or a neighbor to start coarse joking with to see if they might join you. This is how an affair begins. You, you cultivate and harbor and experience things privately like this guy uh, in the Christian Post, but then eventually you begin to look for someone to invite into, but you start with coarse jesting. And you'll joke about something to see who'll laugh back. Be careful what you laugh at. Be careful what you laugh at in the workplace because people may think that that's an invitation to invite you into their immorality. Huh? You say, so it's my fault? No, 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 I'm just saying be careful. When coarse jesting and joking come into play in the workplace, you need to understand that privately that person has already been fostering for some time something that now they have their heat-seeking missile looking for you to fulfill their greedy desires. Be careful. Be careful. 
in our passions and our power and our possessions. We think this can do something for us. Don't go that route. Look at Ephesians 5.5. 5. You can be sure that no immoral, okay, no sexual morality, no impurity, no filthy practices, or greedy person is going to inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, ultimately, all of us are thinking about that, but I want you to think practically. Do you understand that every sexual immoral encounter, every impure action, filthy practice, every greedy desire hinders God's ability to give you his kingdom now? And your distraction, because you don't know how to deal with the anger or the pain of your life, could be the very thing that is destroying the massive blessings that God has for your life. And you may be looking, why hasn't God done this? God God can't. God can't bless you because you won't stop blessing you. And if God blessed you, you would just add his blessings into the corrupt blessings that you are giving yourself. And at some point, you've got to pull back and say, God, if I'm going to be blessed, if this church is going to be blessed. It is not going to be because of my corrupt blessings to bless it. It'll be up to you, God. It'll be your desire. It'll be your will. You'll have to do it or it won't get done. Amen? Amen. Come on, amen? amen? So how about in your life? Man, Abraham took within himself the authority that Sarah gave him. And I wish he would have rethought it. Because, man, the Palestinians and the Israelis are up against it because of it. Do you understand that? Do you understand that one man's choice to sleep with a woman, read the book of Genesis, has given us a global catastrophe that could end in World War III. I mean, we're teetering right now. Who knows what's coming? This could be a holy war simply because one choice went awry. For a greedy person is really an idolater who worships the things of this world. So what are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? This is heavy stuff. What are you fixed on? What does God have to do in your life, greed-wise, for you to think that you matter to him? What is it that, that you think you have to have in order to walk in peace and joy? Do you long for God and the desires of your soul like Moses? Look at it, Exodus 34, 18. Moses had one more request. I love this. It was for the Lord. I love this word, please. Please. Please let me see your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you, Moses. I'm going to call out my name, the Lord, to you. 
and I'm going to show kindness to anyone I choose, show mercy to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, stand here on this rock beside me as my glorious presence passes by, and I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed. Then I'll remove my hand and you'll see me from behind. You want to see more of God's presence in your life. So how do we overcome? Number two, crave Jesus' presence over things. So if God doesn't give you what you want, will you still want him? If God doesn't give you what you want, you go, should we ask him? Well, of course. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. I, I, I got to the party late. I'm the last born in my family. And when you show up, you just start asking for everything. And the party's been going on for quite a while, but you got there late. And so ask God for whatever it is you want. I do. I ask him all the time. And I have found in the Bible that sometimes God will give you what you want because you keep asking. Story in the Bible says that. So I don't want to get to heaven and God go, look, 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 look. And I go, what is all that? Everything I would have given you if you had asked. So there are some things in life that you're not going to get unless you ask for them. Well, I just want whatever God has for me. God wants what you ask for, for you. That's part of it. So two things help us crave Jesus' presence. Look at verse 6. Don't be fooled by those who disobey him. You ever watch somebody else's life and go, boy, it really looks like it's going pretty good for them. And I can tell they're not walking with the Lord because of this, 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 and this. I mean, it's obvious, but it seems to be going pretty good. Well, number one, don't be fooled by a lie. You say, well, what's a lie? Well, here's lie number one. I can sexually live as I like because God doesn't care. Alabama pastor. Lie number two, I can pursue stuff any way I want because God doesn't care. And lie number three, I can do whatever I want because God doesn't care. No, God cares about your sexuality. He cares about how you pursue stuff and he cares how you act. All that matters to God. Look at verse seven. Now don't participate in the things these people do for though your hearts were once full of darkness, yes, they were, now you're full of light from the Lord and your behavior should show it. Your behavior should show it. You go, man, I'm full of light. Well, let's see it. Let's see it. Show it to me. Show it to me. Because the Bible says that if you're full of light, your actions will show it. I'm not talking about perfection here, okay? I'm not talking about not sinning, Okay? Like if there's light in you, it ought to be coming out. So letter B, don't participate in evil. You say, well, what is evil? Evil is acting out of selfish desires without regard of what God thinks. I'm going to do this, and I don't care what you think, God. That's evil. That's evil. So Paul continues. Look at verse 9. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. 
So how do we overcome? Number three, live what you know. Are you living what you know? It's not what you don't know that's going to kill you. It's what you know that you ignore. Sin is often ignoring what we know. Sin is often ignoring what we know. Look at verse 10. Try to find out what's pleasing to the Lord. I like this. Try, ask the Lord, what, what's pleasing to you, God? I mean, pick a situation in your life right now. Lord, what would be pleasing? How would you like for me to handle that, Lord? Do you know why some of us are miserable? Because we refuse to handle things the way God wants us to handle them. Because we can't let go of our anger. Because we feel the need to get even. And see, if you'll stop feeling the need to get even and stop fueling your anger, you can let go of certain situations where you've been hurt very deeply and just go, Lord, how would you like me to handle it? That's how you'd like for me to handle it. Huh. Okay. Well, then that's what I'm going to do. You say it's that simple. It really is. It really is. It's as simple as God tells you what to do and you do it. So how do we overcome? Number four, find out what's pleasing to the Lord. So, Lord, what would you like? What, what would please you? Three things please the Lord. Look at verse 11. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, rebuke and expose them. Wait a minute. Rebuke and expose them? That, that sounds like there may have to be some public narrative sometimes in our relationships. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I stood for all the churches in our city not using NDAs, non-disclosure agreements to silence people who've been sexually abused within their church. Man, I took a lot of hell for that. Don't regret it at all. I don't regret it at all. Not at all. You go, what if it cost you your job? I thought it might. I thought I might not be a pastor. I didn't care. Because God told me to do it. And if God tells you to do something, it may cost you something you want to keep. But I'm not going to be quiet. No. Never. I'm going to stand against this stuff. And we as churches in our city, as long as there's breath inside of me, we're going to care about the things that get sweeped under the rug. That's what God calls us to. That's what God calls us to. You say, have you enjoyed it? Oh, it's been a party. <laughs> Letter A, abstaining from worthless deeds of evil. Abstain from worthless deeds of evil. Do you know, I got uninvited from rooms with pastors in our city that I got re-invited in the last two months to lead in. Huh. So everybody wishes I'd shut up, but I ain't going to. Amen. I'm not going to. 
You say, but what? No. No, I'll go get a different job. I don't do this for the money. Thank God for the money. But if the money goes away, if this church goes away, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing regardless. It's not because I pastor a church. It's not because this church is here. I'm going to do what God has called me to do regardless. You go, that's awful scary. I know. But man, my eyes are on him. My eyes are on him. Letter B, exposing evil deeds for what they are. See, you go, well, do you think you're better than some? No, no, no. No, no, no. No, I think I'm worse. No, I, you don't understand. Henry now said it best. Henry, it seems you spend so much time with God, you'd be so much better person. He's like, yeah, can you imagine if I spent no time with God? How terrible I would be. That's how I view myself. Whenever you see me stand up publicly to something, it's not so I can prove that I'm better than that person or that church or whatever, okay? I'm doing what God has asked me to do. You go, well, I don't agree with you. That's fine. I didn't ask you. When I stand before God one day, I'm going to give an account to him for what I did. And I'm not called to be a pastor first. I'm called to be a child of God first. And there'll become a day when I won't be a pastor anymore. You understand that? I'm not going to be this forever. But I'll always, always be a child of God. And God told me, take your eyes off what matters to you. Put them on what matters to me, and I'll put my eyes on what matters to you. And God, I trust that promise. I trust that promise. Verse 12, it's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. You go, it's talking about motive here, okay? If it's shameful to talk about them, then how do you expose them? Paul's referring here to motive. Why do you talk about them? We only talk about them to address them. But when the light shines on them, it becomes clear how evil these things are. So let her see, refuse to revel in another's sin. Refuse. Whenever God asks you to expose something, you better be very careful reveling in the fact that he used you to do that. And the greatest test of your character, this isn't my quote, this is Ted Haggard's quote, the greatest test of your character, it's in one of his books, I read it, the greatest test of your character is how you handle somebody else's sin. That's a great quote. That is a great quote. The greatest test of your character is how you handle somebody else's sin. And make sure that you handle other people's sin the way you would want yours to be handled so that you can be redeemed too. Amen? Amen. Verse 14. And where your light shines, it'll expose their evil deeds. You understand that? This, this is what happens. This is the tension this is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So where does it say this? Isaiah 60, verse 1. God is saying to us, listen, I've made you to be a light to the world. I've made you to be a light to the world. So how do we overcome? Number five, you live as you are. 
You're the light of the world. You're the light of God. God has made us salt and light, and he wants us to shine into the darkness. Now, here's what I want you to take away from all of this. The light in you will determine the love from you. Let's say that again. The light in you will determine how I love you. And if I'm focused on the light instead of my hate, if I'm focused on the light instead of my anger, if I'm focused on the light instead of what has been done wrong to me, guess what will happen? I'll follow Christ's example of love. Amen? So, part of light, you ready? Is exposing darkness in yourself and in others. And if you are the kind of person that has to keep moving away from people that shine the light on your darkness, then you're missing part of God's will for your life. You have to stay in proximity to somebody who is exposing things about your life that make you a little uncomfortable. You ever notice this in your marriage? Tasha and I have 30 years of marriage. We've only argued twice. 14 years and 16 years, all right? Right. Yeah, we've had two arguments. One lasted for 14 and now we're on 16, so, all right? We know who won the first and we're still waiting to see who wins the second one, all right? Make sure that the people in your life, make sure the church you're a part of, make sure the community, make sure the small, make sure all of this is exposing the darkness in you so that the light can become brighter. Because the light in you will determine the love from you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the light in us. But sexual immorality, impurity, and greed dull the light. My bride has a wedding ring, and sometimes that wedding ring gets dirty and gets dulled by the dirt of life. We go up to the jewelry store in Denver because they have lifetime where they take care of it and clean it, and, and every time it always is the same when she comes out. Look, look. She has to show me the brightness and the clarity from having it been cleaned. And see, when God's light clarifies and purifies, we go out in the world with his love and go, look, look. And see, our love is a reflection of his light and our love being a reflection of his light is what makes us effective in sharing the gospel. And how I handle the light in me determines the love that comes out of me. And so, Lord, forgive me for my selfishness, my sinfulness. Forgive me, God, for my temptations of sexual immorality, my weaknesses, 
my impurities, my filthy practices, my greed. Sometimes I get so greedy, God. Sometimes I just go, well, what about me, God? And I don't care about anybody else but me. Oh, those are terrible moments. They're so self-justifying. Forgive us, Lord. You said, and we're going to see it in this, in this series, that marriage is a picture of the spotless bride you're preparing for that great wedding. Lord, it's painful. Life is painful. Relationships are painful. Oh my goodness. There's so much jockeying for self-justification in relationships. You're not in that. You're not in that. So may we not be in that. Purify us, Lord, as your bride so that the light in us can become the love out of us. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.